This podcast was brought to you by So Much to Say, a book of quotes. Available now on Amazon.com in all e-readers. Or email me at www.craigthewriterstuart.com and I will autograph it and ship it to you. So would you classify yourself as a battered woman? Yes, I was a battered woman as well as a battered child. So do you think there's a connection between being a battered child? Do you think that that is the core reason why you became a battered woman? I think uh, subconsciously, yes. And then finally when I left, it I think is when I started healing from both. This is very personal work for me. Politics. Politics. I believe I was called to Sex. tell my story, use my voice, be a Gay. voice for Gay. the community, to speak Gay. to Gay. and for a community of people Gay. that's been ignored, denied, love, love, relationships, religion. This is my life's work. Religion, religion. I want to use words to uplift, heal, inspire, encourage. Do something different. Something different. Every Monday at 10. Good day, thinkers, thought leaders, progressives, and dreamers. I am Craig the Writer Stewart, and this is so much to say. These are my thoughts in my voice on black shit white shit, gay shit, and everything in between. Today we're talking to a friend of mine. We actually went to elementary and middle school together. And I didn't know until we had this conversation that uh, she actually was in an abusive relationship. In an abusive, I can't just say marriage because as you said before, it started before you were actually married. So how long were you in the marriage? We were only married for seven months but we were together for like five years. Okay. And so did the the abuse started when you were just boyfriend and girlfriend? Yes. Okay. It got worse after we got married. Okay. So how soon into the relationship itself uh, did, did the first case happen? Uh, probably about a year and a half. What were your thoughts? Like the first time that it happened and what exactly was the incident? Uh, we were outside with a group of friends. He had been drinking, which also factors into it. He had a drug problem I didn't know about at the time. Um, and I disagreed with him about something, and he slapped me. And I remember it happening, and he just kind of slapped me and went on with, like, the next sentence he was saying. Like, it was like... Real matter of fact. Yeah, and, you know, his mother was there. His mother was looking at him like, why did you just do that? But she didn't say anything. Uh-huh. And I, I kind of just sat I didn't say anything either. I kind of just sat there kind of like, did he really just, why did that just happen? And we it never got talked about again. Uh-huh. I never said anything else about it. Nobody said anything. Um, and so was it there. was like family. There was like a barbecue or something? It was like a social gathering. Okay. Um, nobody said anything. How many people do you think? Are there at this? Like six or seven. Okay, men and women. Mm-hmm, yeah. And no man, no woman said a word. Didn't say a thing. And so what were you thinking? Like, I'm sure you were thinking several things. First, this man just hit me. Second, it had to have been some sort of embarrassment or shame or what, what were I was you? super embarrassed. Like, I could have crawled in the corner and died embarrassed. But I, I don't know. I think I was just in shock. I just kind of sat there and didn't 
do or say anything. Um, I don't know if I was in disbelief that it had happened. It was the first time that a man had hit me outside of me being a child. Okay. Um, so I just was severely embarrassed, which kind of froze me, I think. So take me back to that day. You said you guys, it was a family event or barbecue or gathering, and he smacked you. And so what followed that? Like, he hit you, you looked stunned, you looked at his mom, you at least made eye contact with her. She said nothing, none of the other men or women in the, in, at the house said anything. What happened next? Did, did he just kind of go about his business? Did you continue eating or drinking or whatever was happening, like nothing had happened? Um, I, eventually I got up and went in the house after a few minutes passed, but it, it was just, it went on as usual. The social gathering just mm-hmm. continued as if, I don't know, that was normal. I don't know if everybody just was kind of like, should we say something? Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, I kind of just went in so, the house. So did you cry? Like I out did, in not, front of them? No, no, not at all. Mm-mm. I never, I never cried. And I don't, I think that kind of fueled some anger. Right. Um, but I was used to it. I was a battered child, so my you know my tolerance for pain is high. Um, so let me ask this: so following that, maybe an hour later, two hours later, two days later, did his mom or anybody that was there that witnessed it? Did anybody ever say to you, "Oh my God!" Like the other day, like never. So no one ever said anything. So basically, and from my perspective, they were they too were complicit. Yeah. Because to stand by and say nothing, you're participating in it. You're just as just as guilty as the party that that yep. inflicted yes, it. Yes, I agree. And we've never, his mother and I have never had a conversation about it. So that incident happened, and you said that was about a year and a half into the relationship? Mm-hmm. How long after that did the second incident happen? Because the question is, how did the pattern begin? Was it like a pattern that... Was it an everyday thing, or did it just happen every three months or every six months? Because I think sometimes people who are in abusive relationships, they may not classify it, and I know you said you do classify it as an abusive relationship, but I think sometimes people who are in this type of relationship refuse to class it, or maybe maybe don't even think to classify it as abuse because there's no, it's not systematic. It's not every day. It's not every week. And so I think sometimes people think or have this idea of what abuse looks like. And, oh, it was just twice a year. So it's not really abuse. But that's true. it, it really is. It so is how long after that first? Um, so when we were living with his parents, probably only happened two or three times. And it wasn't consistent. It was very random. Um, I remember the second time it happened, he was, like, really drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and... He punched me this time. Where did he punch you? In the face, always in the face. Uh-huh. I don't know what that was about. But um, because he was drunk, I just got away from him, and I went outside. Um, Nobody was there this time to witness it? They were, but they weren't witnessing. Like, they were other parts of the house. So okay. I left the house um, and kind of just was kind of hiding outside. I knew he wouldn't follow me because he was drunk, so I just waited for him to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And I went back in. Um, I don't remember the next time after that. But when we moved um, away from his parents' house to our own house, it got much, much worse and much more consistent. Was there ever a moment after the second incident, the punch, was there ever a moment where you thought, I need to get out of this? Well, no, because by the second time, I was pregnant. Okay. And I had this ideal of what 
should happen when you have children with mm-hmm. people. Um, so um, that was the main reason for me mm-hmm. because um, <clears throat> I just didn't want to raise a child by myself. Right. Um, so that that was it. And then when we moved away, I had a second child. Mm-hmm. and um, But by the time she was an infant, like after I'd had her, is when we got married. And soon after that, I just was like, I can't. So was there ever any violence like while you were pregnant? No violence while I was pregnant, physical, uh-huh. but a lot of um, verbal. verbal abuse. It's interesting, two things that I've noticed uh, since we've been talking. In the case of this guy, alcohol was always involved. That's the first thing that I noticed. The other thing that I noticed is when you were speaking, it reminded me of one of my mom's friends. I've known these people my entire life, and I'm 41. My mom's girlfriend, she's married. She has two girls with her husband. Well, at some point between these two girls that they had together, he had a kid with some other woman. Well, she at the time, his wife at the time, uh, was really close to his mom and his family, and she would go over there all of the time. Well, the entire family knew that this man had stepped out. The, the entire family knew that this man had a baby that was coming. And she was the last person to know. And so to this day, to this day, um, there's this contention between her, my mom's friend, mm-hmm. And this illegitimate child. And this woman is older than I am now. Um, she now has a daughter, which makes the daughter the grandchild. Mm-hmm. Well, my mom's friend even has <laughs> issues with this grandchild. And I've said to her, because we've had one-on-one conversations, and I said to her, if you weren't able to handle this, and if you weren't able to move beyond this, and I'm not saying whether or not a person should stay in that situation or not, I don't know if I would be able to stay in that kind of a situation, but to each his own. But if this thing was going to have a hold over you for the past 40 years, then you probably should have left. And you know what she said to me? She said, I didn't want to struggle raising my kids. She said, I'd seen other women as single mothers, and I didn't want that as my reality, so I just felt I needed to deal with it. And so she dealt with it. But the the reality is, if you're going to carry that kind of pain and anger mm-hmm. and resentment mm-hmm. all of your life, like it wasn't worth it. Peace of mind. You can't pay for peace of mind. That's right. For me, there's nothing more important than peace of mind. Okay, so you guys moved out of his parents' home, moved into your own home. You're now with your second child. Mm-hmm. The abuse became verbal when you were pregnant, and then it became physical again. So did it become physical um, in front of the children ever? Yes. Okay. So actually, the very last time was the worst time. We got into, I never fought him back. He would just hit me and I, that would be it. Mm-hmm. But this last time, he told them, now one of them was two years old, the other one was a baby. She was almost one. Mm-hmm. Um, he told them to sit on the couch and watch him do it. What were his words? That's exactly what he said. Sit on the couch so I can go over here and deal with your mother. So I was in the kitchen. And these are two girls. You have mm-hmm. two girls. Two girls. Um, and I have an older daughter that's not his, but right. our two girls. Um, I was in the kitchen, and he turned me around, and he hit me. And as soon as he hit me, I knew he broke my nose. Like, I felt it break. Mm. And I just remember after the blow, my girls were, like, in my direct line of sight. And my oldest daughter, my, my middle daughter, was looking at me. And I just thought to myself, 
I can't believe that he's doing this in front of them. He never abused them, right. by the way. I don't know uh, what the correlation is between spousal abuse and child abuse, but he right. never abused the kids. But um, in that moment, I it's like something went off in my brain. I'm like, why am I putting up with this with him? Mm -hmm. Why am I going to sit here and let him do this in front of them? Mm -hmm. Because um, and, and he's teaching them. He, exactly. He, in fact, you both are teaching him. If you had continued to stay, you would have been teaching them. Um, but, yeah, you're teaching them not just because they were sitting on the couch with a bird's eye view, but simply because I believe that the relationships that we see demonstrated for us, mm -hmm. whether it's your grandparents that raised you or your parents that raised you or foster people, mm -hmm. whatever relationships are modeled for you, your relationships, your own personal relationships will replicate mm -hmm. that. So it was like an epiphany. And I was like, I have to fight back. I like, mm -hmm. I can't let this happen in front of them. Like they are all that matters. So we fought like viciously fought, tore mm. the kitchen up, holes in walls, drawers broken. Are the girls crying at this point? Yeah, yeah, they were they were. Um when it was over, I think he was more stunned than anything. Uh -huh. um, that you were fighting that him? That I was fighting uh -huh. him because when I was fighting him he probably could have fought back harder. But I think he was just surprised that I had done that because I'd never done it before. Um and then I don't even remember how it stopped because we remained in the kitchen. I think subconsciously both of us because the kids were in the other room. But mm -hmm. it kind of stopped and we were just kind of standing in front of each other. And um, I went and got the girls. I probably looked horrific to them because, you know, my nose is broken. I'm bleeding. Mm -hmm. um, so I take them You're upstairs. You're probably crying. I wasn't crying. Okay. I wasn't crying. I was very angry, though. Uh -huh. um, I take them upstairs. Um, I run bath for them, tell them I'm okay. I start getting myself together. He starts to come upstairs, and I said, don't come up here. And I don't know what inflected in my voice that time, uh -huh. and he stopped, and he went back down. Um, the next day, I called my mom, who I did not have a good relationship with at so the wait, time. So wait, what did that night look like? Did he stay in the he house He stayed too? in the house, but he stayed downstairs. Okay. I did not sleep that night. Uh -huh. Um, I slept, well, I went in the room with the girls while they slept. So I was there sleep. fear that he would come up and agitate or you just didn't sleep because your adrenaline was just so high or? I was planning in my head how I was about to really get out of this, like immediately. Because at this point you're married. Yes. Okay. So we were married. I did not drive at the time. Uh -huh. Um, it was the middle of the night. So I wasn't going to drag the kids out of the house to do whatever, bus, cab, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was making plans of what I was going to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I called my mom, which was big because I really, we didn't have a good relationship. And I said, look, I need to come to your house. Like right now, it was like 3 a.m. Uh -huh. um, and he sleep downstairs. He sleep in the living room. Uh -huh. I said, I need you to come get me right now. Please don't ask me anything. I need you to come get me right now. And she came. Um, no, she didn't argue or anything. And how far is mom from you at this time? So we were on uh, Harford Road and she was in White Marsh. So that's about a what? How that's long? That's probably is it? about thirty-five minutes, I guess. So she's thirty-five minutes away. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I packed the kids up very quietly because he was also, again, under the influence okay. of drugs and alcohol. Like I said, I didn't know about the drug thing until a little later. Um, he was asleep on the couch, and we went out the back door. So the next day, I filed a restraining order, and 
when you file a restraining order, it's for seven days, and then you have to go back to court the, on the seventh day with the person that you're restraining against, mm-hmm. so that you know you can, they can hear both sides and blah blah blah. So on the seventh day, when it was time to go to court, he didn't come. So it was automatically extended. His dad did come though. Um, his dad came and he spoke on my behalf, which surprised me since, again, nobody had ever advocated verbally said anything or advocated for me, stopped anything. Um, so the restraining order went forward and then I just went forward with uh, getting him out of the house. and Because it was my house that I bought. But even though, so since we were married, I had to go through all of this stuff to really get him out. Mm-hmm. Um, so my avenue to do that was that he owed child support for his older son. So I called him and I said, listen, if you're looking for him, this is where he is. Go get him. I unlocked the door for them. I said, you don't have to knock or anything. He's there. So that's how he got out. So he, he was in arrears mm-hmm. for child support. Mm-hmm. And because he was behind in child support, they locked him out, mm-hmm. locked him up. Mm-hmm. So that's how you got him out of the house. They were looking for they him. They were looking for him, right. And they would come to the house, and he wouldn't answer. He wouldn't be there. Okay. Um, so when I left and was at my mom's house, I called them, and I said, he is there. Um, I will go on whatever day you tell me. I will unlock the door. I'm not going to be inside. Right. Um, but you can just walk in and get them, and they did. And so after that point, you just changed the locks? I changed the locks um, after he got out of jail, which was pretty short, probably like a week. He attempted to come back, even though... He was told not to. Because you still had this restraining order, right? Mm-hmm. So what happened was I changed the lock on the front door, but I couldn't change the one on the back door. Something, was, you know, mechanically, I needed to do something else. So mm-hmm. I didn't. So we're in the house one night, and I hear the back door being man- manipulated. And right. I'm like... And I had also gotten a gun by now because I felt like he was going to be off the rails. And it was him, so he had the key, and he, he stepped in. There was there was a foyer, and the girls were sleeping. So I, I went down, and I had the gun. I pointed it at him, and I said... If Wait, is the door open when you pointed yeah, it at him? Yeah, he's standing in the doorway. Oh, he's come in. Yeah, he's, he's come in the in foyer. The foyer. Okay. And I, I said, don't come in here. You know you can't be here. We're done. It's nothing left to talk about. You know, the divorce is going to happen. Move on. And he continued to try to walk in, and I took. And the, you're pointing the gun. I took the safety off. I said, "If you come in here, I will kill you." And he left. And he never tried to come back again. Wow. So, were the classic signs there? Because there are a couple of things that I noticed. Um, you said that drugs and alcohol were a part of the equation. Did he ever try to separate you from your friends? You know how oftentimes oh, I was here. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So I had friends. I still they're still my friends today. We used, I used to work with one of my friends at Johns Hopkins, mm-hmm. and we had gotten in a car accident. So we were going to therapy and stuff. Uh, and we were friends. We worked together. We went out together. We did stuff together, and we started getting separated, except for those things that we had to see each other at. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day, not long before. Um, the big fight where it all like imploded. We went mm-hmm. to therapy and we gotten, you know, I You and he went to therapy. No, she and I Oh, had you went to therapy, therapy for that physical therapy mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. car. I'm mean, for the car accident. For the car accident. Okay. And, you know, he done something, hit me or something and we were in therapy and sitting in the waiting room and she just looked at me and said, "Why are you still there?" 
So she knew because oh, she yeah. saw the signs or because you had told yeah, her? Yeah, because I'm light-skinned. I had bruises and stuff. Right. So, but had you verbally told no, her? No, absolutely not. So I was lying. Right. I was lying. She saw something. I'd be like, oh, you know, I kind of right. fell. You know, one of the kids hit me with a toy. And she'd just be like, seriously. Was she the only person that ever said something like that? That let you know that they knew? She was the only person that ever said anything. Looking Other, back, do you think there were people who knew? Oh, everybody this? knew. Okay. Everybody knew. Uh, my mom probably didn't know, but again, we weren't close, so I, I wouldn't have told her anything. Speaking of your mom, so when she picked you up that night, did she say when she got there, what's going on, or did you just volunteer, or what? Well, she saw me. My nose was, you know, I'm you know, I'm weird, so I set it back myself, but I had black You eye. set your nose back. Yeah, I'm an army girl. So did you go back, did you go to the hospital? No. So let me ask, okay, you're driving in the car with your mom that night, what's the conversation? She saw me, so she she had already known what happened, and I, I kind of just said, you know, I really just don't want to talk about it. I just want to move on. And then the kids are there, too. And so. the kids are there. Um, I said, I need to stay at your house until I get him completely out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty much the extent of our conversation. And so how far was your job from where your mom was living? Because you had to commute, and you didn't mm-hmm. have a car. You weren't mm-hmm. driving then. So it was probably about 40, 50 minutes. So you had to make this kind of a sacrifice in order to leave that relationship. Because mm-hmm. there's somebody listening who probably is thinking of how difficult it yeah. would be. And, oh, yeah. I can't leave because then I, that would just be too far for me to get to work. Or, just, you know, making every excuse in the mm-hmm. book mm-hmm. why she or he can't leave. I did a podcast not long ago with um, a male friend of mine, a gay male friend of mine, who was in an abusive relationship. And I thought it was important to do the other side, the heterosexual side and the female side of it. Um, I actually want to bring the aggressor on at some point, the aggressor in a relationship, to really get that perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because this thing happens more often than we think. When did you realize he was actually using drugs? You said because you didn't know that at first. I realized he was using drugs. His sister was on drugs. She actually died at a really early age. She OD'd um, mm. in her 20s. Um, money started being missing. Okay. And how long into the relationship? This is after we moved from his parents. But he was using the drugs before um, we before that. Um, but I noticed after we moved because my money was missing. Um, because I was the only one working also. Okay. Um, and at first it was kind of subtle. You know how you get ten dollars, twenty dollars. It's like oh, Small I could have, I could have spent, spent that. that. I yeah, might have yeah. been left it in a pocket. But one day I said, you know, I'm gonna hide this, uh-huh. um, specifically to see if it disappears, and right. it did. Uh-huh. And I kind of beat myself up sometimes because I should have known better. I grew up. My dad was addicted to drugs, so I know what it looks like mm-hmm. but I you know when you're in something it's kind of hard sometimes to see things mm-hmm. so he wasn't you know, like he didn't have you know track marks and stuff he was smoking or snorting whatever he was doing I still, oh is this your husband yeah I'm okay. still not clear on what he was doing what I think he was smoking crack or coke or something I don't know smoking um, crack sniffing coke yeah smoke right so one of those right. things um because there was no needle marks or anything but after that I was just kind of like this is a cycle for me that I need to get out of. Mm-hmm. I grew up like this. Did you make the correlation between 
your father and this man? Because I can't take credit for this. Iyana Van Zandt, I don't even know if she's the one that said this, but if she originated this, but I know I've heard, heard her say that every girl dates her father, ends up dating her father. So I want to kind of go to that, but answer that first. I agree, did, yes. you, did you realize that at some point? It's funny. It's when I realized it is. My dad was, by that time, my dad was was like homeless from drugs. He was in it really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I seen him one day, and I invited him to the house so he could take a shower. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was taking a bath, actually. Um, and he was, he was high when he got to the house. And, you know, while he was there, I was thinking... These two people are the same. They're the same people. These, This is the same person. Right. So was there a lapse in time or a gap in time from the time that you brought your father home to take the bath from the last time you had seen him? Yeah. How long? Months. It had been months. Yeah, because he uh, he lost my grandparents' house. Okay. Um, and after that, he was homeless because, you know, my my aunts and uncles were like, yeah, we can't. He, I mean, right. he was gone. He was doing heroin. So he was stealing. Right. He was doing all kinds of stuff. Right. Um, so he, nobody would. They wanted to. But when you're like that, you can't trust people because he literally, yeah. by the time I was forced to leave the mm-hmm. house in high school, we had no furniture. Um, you were forced to leave because? Of the, he, you know. He wasn't paying the property tax or more. He wasn't or paying the property taxes. Well, the, we still had the house at that point, but um, he'd sold all the furniture. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't eating consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept running away all the time. Um, and at some point, my mother was like, you can't stay there anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. So she came to get me then. Mm-hmm. I was 15. But prior to that, you weren't living with your mom. You were you were being raised by your dad. He raised me till I was fifteen. Right. So, so you know, it really was the same. It wasn't my husband ex husband's drug addiction wasn't to that extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely was the same thing. Right. Um, he was. It made him aggressive along with the alcohol. Mm-hmm. My father was aggressive. My father didn't drink, um, but he was aggressive. He was abusive. Um, well, I, I want to speak about the father, too, but before we go too far away, you said that you had hid some money from mm-hmm, your husband, mm-hmm. and you realized that he had stolen it. Mm-hmm. So, finish from there. So, when I confronted him about it, and again, I had to be careful, because uh-huh. confrontation could lead to right. an abusive situation, so I you know, kind of approached it like, what did you do with the money that was here? Mm-hmm. Because we're the only two people that live here other than the children. Mm-hmm. They didn't have access to it, which means that you did. So where is it? And he gave me some cockamamie bullcrap excuse. And I hid it somewhere. I'm not talking about like in a drawer. I put it like under the couch, tucked under something mm-hmm. where you had to definitely be looking. You had to be looking. Yeah. So um, he gave me some excuse and I realized then that that's what he was doing. So, had you noticed signs that... I know you said there weren't any track marks, like needle marks. But how did you know definitively that he was using? Was he nodding? Was never, he... No, he never was nodding or anything like that. But the aggression... Okay. The, uh, it, it, he's one of those people under the influence of anything. He becomes, like, animalistically mm-hmm. aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a difference I came to realize between the alcohol aggression and the drug aggression. Mm-hmm. So I, when he You was, could de- decipher between the two. The drugs were like off the charts. Alcohol was a little bit more subdued. 
um, not much, but a little bit. Did you ever? Did you ever ask him when he had those sweet sober moments? Because they all seem to have those sweet sober moments. Why do you hit me? Like, why do you do this? Nope. Never. Nope. So let's talk about your dad. So you said you were abused by your dad. What did that look like? Um, that I really think was him taking out his frustration on me because he didn't have any other avenue for it. Mm-hmm. So my mom left when I was a baby. Um, mm-hmm. So there was this custody battle from the time I was an infant until literally a week before I turned 18 and went to the military between him and my grandparents, him and my other my mother's mother, him in the state of Maryland. It was mm-hmm. ridiculous. But um, he stopped his music career. He's a, He was a musician to raise me. Mm-hmm. And I think that frustrated him a lot because that was his passion in life. Mm-hmm. And he was just, I don't know. I think he, he blew a lot of things out of proportion. Like every kid does stuff where they probably should get a spanking for. But I actually really probably didn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> So what? So, I mean, like, was he like spanking you with the belt? Was yes, he... he had. So that was this ritual. We go in the basement because so my grandmother couldn't hear because she was sickly. She couldn't keep climbing up and down steps. So uh-huh. he go, we go down there deliberately, and he had this really thick brown leather belt that he would use, and he'd make me face away from him so I wouldn't know when he was about to hit me. So it wasn't like a constant like wailing. Right. He'd hit me and talk. And hit me and say something and hit me so it could last for an hour. And so it was always for something very picky Very minimal. Or he or he I'd sit there and he just backhand me with a closed fist or just, you know, and I was very little, so you know, and even in middle school I remember some of our friends saying why do you have those bruises, bruises on your neck? What What is going on with you? And it's I almost just, like when you just said that. It's almost like I got a flash of a memory. And not of one specifically. But, I mean, it's like I'm learning more about you in this moment than I have my entire life. Like, we went to elementary school and middle school together. And I had no idea any of this was going on. But as you were just telling that story and you were saying bruises... It was almost like I got a flash of one, like across your arm or something. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So did you ever make peace with any of this? I did. Um, and it's weird because I have family members to this day that are angry because I have made peace with it mm-hmm. and him because he's deceased now. Mm-hmm. Um, because we talked about it. He you actually, and your father? Yes, he actually stopped using drugs the year before he died. Okay. Um, and so at that point, how old were you? I was 20, it was 15 years ago. So probably I'm about... I'm 41, so I was 26. 26. I was 26. Um, he stopped using drugs because he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Okay. And it was like a light went mm-hmm. off and he said I don't want to do it anymore he did not do it anymore afterwards but we had some really candid conversations about it and why he did it did and he initiate the conversation he did because he said I want you to know that anything that I ever did physically and mentally to hurt you wasn't all me being cognitive about it like he said I don't think I could help some of it um and then he went into this whole thing about how he started using drugs at nine. And, I, you know, it gave me a new perspective mm-hmm. on it. Not that what he was doing Excuses was excusable, it, right? but I could 
But it makes me wonder, you know, if, if he was battling your mom until you were 18 for custody. No, he wasn't battling her. He only started battling her from the time I was like 16 to 18. Okay. From one, from zero to... 15, she just disappeared. Yeah, she disappeared. I saw her once when I was eight um, and once when I was 12. Um, she moved back to Maryland because she moved away. Um, and my dad kind of forced me to start going to see her, and I didn't want to. So what was her what was her story? Like, was she she was not on drugs? Was she chasing a man? Because I I know oftentimes, you she know, she chased many men. We choose some sometimes parents will choose a relationship mm-hmm. or a man or a woman over their child. Mm-hmm. So she was one of those. She just wanted to go. She didn't raise any of us. Okay. So I'm the oldest, and I have three brothers. By her. By her. So your dad, are those other ones his Mm-mm. as well? Okay, so you're your dad's only child? Nope, I have a sister. That's okay. a whole nother story. But she lived with her mom? <laughs> she lived with her mom, yes, okay. because he abused her mom. Oh, wow. Um, so did your sister have a relationship with your dad? No. Okay. Because her mother was afraid of him, so right. she ran away and hid my sister from him until he died. So do you and the sister have a relationship mm-hmm. now? Yep, we do. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I remember her because when she was born, I was old enough to remember her. She didn't remember me until we were, you know, right. she didn't remember me. So when my father died, um, she kind of came out of the woodwork. Um, and she was very upset because um, there's like this whole family drama around it. Um, her inner circle, her mother and her aunts, she had been asked. Is this my father? And they all t- told her no before. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as he died, they were like, oh, yeah, that was him. Right. So she was angry because she didn't have opportunity to speak with him or right. get to know him or anything. So you saw your mom at 8 years old and again at 12. Mm-hmm. And I began to visit her when I was 12. Not stay with her, just visit her. I was forced to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't. At that point, I hated her. When mm-hmm. I was in elementary school, I had all kinds of issues. I was suicidal, had identity issues because of it. But by the time I saw her when I was eight, that visit like turned me completely. I hated her. I wanted nothing else to do with her. You had identity issues because of what? Because when we were growing up, everybody had two parents. Because of, okay. Or it. if they didn't have two parents, they had their mother there. And mm-hmm. I did, I, you know, I was weird. Like that, nobody. I remember your dad being your primary mm-hmm. care provider. Mm-hmm. I did know that. Um, but again, we were in elementary school. When you and I met, we were in elementary school. So by the time we got to middle school, we didn't see each other every day. Mm-hmm. Elementary school, we saw each other every day. We mm-hmm. went to the same classes. Mm-hmm. So I guess as a child, I observed that your father was the primary person. But I didn't really delve into, like, why your mom wasn't there or where was your mom. I noticed it, but it wasn't something that I really investigated. Um, so I would have, even in terms of, like, the, the thoughts of suicide, I would have never thought that. I would have never I would have never known that. I used to try to hang myself all the time. Wow. Because your family was disjointed? Because I couldn't understand why my mother didn't want me. So it wasn't, do you think it was also um, part of the thoughts of suicide were tied to the way that your father was mistreating you? No, because at that point, it was gradual. So in elementary school, it was almost non-existent. Okay. Middle school, 
he began to use more and more mm. and more and more. So middle school was like the the is when it got really bad. The pinnacle of it. Yeah, and uh, that's so what I was did, looking for. Did, did you ever speak to like anybody at school, like a guidance counselor? Or n- nobody ever noticed anything. I never. Part of the way I have never. I have never expressed to anybody any of these issues. When things were going on, I never said anything to anybody mm. about them. I just never... So where do you put those feelings? Where did you put those feelings? I kind of just locked them up. So where are they now? <laughs> on paper. <laughs> okay, so you write. Yeah, I write. You express it through your writing. So you've never sought like counseling or... Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Do you think... I know you mentioned earlier that you went into the military. Do you think that you enlisted... As a way of escapism? That's exactly why I enlisted. I was living with my mom. Mm-hmm. I had been there for two years. I was a senior in high school. I hated her. I hated her boyfriend. So let me let me just t- put a time frame. So you saw it at eight years old. You mm-hmm. saw it again at 12. And then you moved moved with her at 16. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I was uprooted from everything that I had ever known. Mm-hmm. So I moved from West Baltimore to... East Baltimore. I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about East Baltimore. No friends. Luckily, I got to stay at Western. Your same high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing about it did I... I didn't want to be there at all. But I knew it was better than where I was with my dad. Like, he was in no position at that point to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and although I disliked them, they were taking care of me. I was eating. Mm-hmm. You know, I was able to do those things. But... When the opportunity came, I said, oh, that's 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 my escape. That's how I can get out. So that's mm-hmm. what I did. And you enlisted for, what, eight years? hmm So here's my question. What do you teach your girls? So my girls are complete opposites of what I was when I, mm-hmm. I grew up. I tried to... Um, I'm really empathetic, so I really tried to put myself in their shoes at their age, at their in their situations to try to guide them in the in the right direction. I definitely wasn't their their friend, you know, now parents are trying to be friends mm-hmm. first, parents later. And they're doing well. So but the question is is how do you break the cycle? How do you ensure that they don't follow in your footsteps, at least in that regard? Well my daughter my middle daughter, the one uh, that was two at the time that we had that last fight. Remembers the fight. Uh, remembers the fight, which is weird because what two-year-old remembers mm-hmm. in like complete detail? She remembers. She's recited it back to me. When did she recall it? What did she say? How old was she when she when she recounted it? She's about ten. Okay, and she's um, how old now? She is twenty-two. Okay, so she. Uh, They've always had a relationship with their dad. It's been strained at times because when they got older and realized what was going on, I've never really talked to them to the extent that I'm talking now about what was going on um, in detail. Mm-hmm. But she was there. She saw some of it. And she remembers it. Like, I don't have What did to. she say? She remembers the fight. She remembers um, him drinking a lot. Um, she remembers him yelling a lot. Did she just bring it up out of the blue one day or did it just kind of come up? She Something was, triggered the conversation. When she was in the fifth grade, I don't remember what triggered the conversation. She recollected something to me. And I was, I, I almost didn't know what to say. Um, because she was two. Uh, and I just kind of was like, well, you know, how do you feel about that? Um, and she's like, well, 
you know, I'm going to have a relationship with my dad, but I'm going to, she wanted to talk to him about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if she ever did. And I did make that a teaching point for them mm-hmm. um, of how they need to be treated by not just mm-hmm. men, by anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so to your knowledge, have either of your girls experienced anything similar to this in no. any of their relationships? No. Okay. No. Because, so. you know, for some reason, it, you know, it's so interesting that at two years old, she recalls something like that. And maybe because it was so traumatic and it was so bloody and it was so brutal. But I'm a firm believer that your kids pay closer to the things that you do than the things that you say. Mm-hmm. Um, you really do model, you demonstrate for them how to move about in the world just through your actions, your everyday actions. Those are the things that are ingrained in their minds. Mm-hmm. So the, the kinds of relationships that you'll have are the kinds of relationships that they'll have, um, even if they don't even realize it. Uh, they may work actively to work against it, mm-hmm. but oftentimes that stuff is it's, it's embedded in you. Mm-hmm. Um, I shared a story, I think in my first book, I was talking about how I learned some things from my parents. Like in my parents' relationship, my mom had this, this uncanny ability to just shut down. Like if she was upset with my dad about something, she could walk around for three, four days and won't speak to his ass. She'll speak to everybody <laughs> in the room but him. Just shut down. Oh, I'm the king of shutting down. Me too. I, and, I'm, and I'm better about it now because I know that it's not healthy. I know that it's counterproductive to a relationship to just shut down like that. That's not the way to resolve mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. But I used to be really good at doing it. I can still do it, but I'm, I'm, I'm clear about not doing it. Mm-hmm. But I, I was good at doing that. But then on my father's side, he was really abrasive. Like when he was angry or upset about something with, you know, with my mom. He'd be really short, really curt, really coarse, really terse. And he was just, he thought he was justified, you know, because he was upset. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So he would just be real slick at the mouth. And I could do that too. I could be really, I would have a razor sharp tongue. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I had a relationship, I think I was about 22 or 3. I was probably like 23 or 4. And I remember the guy that I was dating, he said to me, why do you talk to me like I'm a child? Like, we were in some sort of a conversation, and I said something real short, you know, real flippant. Mm -hmm. And he said, you cannot talk to me like that. And again, I was 23, 24, and I've I've changed it. Like, it wasn't immediate. Mm -hmm. But I thought about it. I became really conscious of how I said things to him. And it carried over in every single interaction that I had, Mm -hmm. like, in in dating situations. Because it wasn't like I did that in my friendships. It was only in, like, romantic Situation. Because that's what she wants. Absolutely. Saw. That was what I saw. That was what they demonstrated. Mm-hmm. And I realized to myself, you can't keep doing that. But I realized that it wasn't even just my parents that did it. I realized that my entire mother's side of the family did it. Because I spent more time with my mom's family than I did with my dad's mm-hmm. family. And when I tell you, I paid attention to, because my mom had 12 sisters and brothers, I paid attention to the way that mostly the women, her sisters, handled the men in their lives, and they were all very short. Mm-hmm. But my, my male cousins did the same thing in their relationships. Straight male cousins mm-hmm. would talk to the women that they dated. What are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, just be real aggressive like that. Never physical, mm-hmm. but just real aggressive. It's almost like you think you're justified to just say whatever. <laughs> and I really had to re-language and reprogram myself because I realized... Nobody wants to be with, with mm-hmm. somebody grouchy mm-hmm. and, and, and all the mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. like seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was one of the things that I had to pay attention to. But for all of the parents listening, 
your children are watching, even if it's subconscious, mm -hmm. even if they never language it, even if they never voice it to you, even if you think they're not even looking at you, mm -hmm. they're listening, they see you, yeah. they hear it, they, they even hear the, the quiet conversations when you're in the other room and they're in the, other, they're in the living room yep. watching television, even if they're not actively listening, they can hear it, it all just comes in like a sponge. Mm -hmm. So you have to really be careful and conscious, conscious of the relationships you that know, you my, have in front of your kids. My daughter writes the most eloquent messages to me. Mm -hmm. Usually uh, she gives me a really long one on my birthday. And every time I read one, it brings me to tears because it shows me just what you said, that you've been looking at me and mm -hmm. what I've been doing and trying to show you and instilling you. And it's working because, mm -hmm. and, and like you said, even things, she'll say things. And I'm like, I don't. Okay, I didn't think you were paying attention mm -hmm. to that, but because they will adopt your habits, mm -hmm. but they'll also adopt your pain. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, they can adopt your pain, and then they start seeking that kind of pain. Yes. in their relationships, that that type of discord, that type of dysfunction. For some people, dysfunction is their normal. Mm -hmm. I try very so growing up that way and going through this relationship made me want to have them have as little dysfunction as possible. Mm -hmm. Now, I was real... I grew up in a house with two grandparents and my father mm -hmm. and a strong marriage base through my whole family. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I needed to get divorced really bothered me. Um, it was necessary, but I was bothered by it. That was a severe dysfunction for me. So I already felt like that they were being in dysfunction because they weren't going to have both of their parents. So... Mm -hmm. Um, even disciplining, like I'm, I'm one of those parents that's not to be played with, but I literally have never spanked my middle daughter, probably spanked my youngest one twice, um, mm -hmm. uh, because I just feel like children, that's not what children need. That's not how they get. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they really do something, of course they need, they need it, but I, recognizing myself that I'm my father's child. So I have some of those qualities. Um, where I can go too far. Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm doing it in the moment, um, I can hurt you. So, mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. Um, mm -hmm. So, we're, we're going to do this instead of that mm -hmm. to teach you. I remember I hit my, my middle daughter one time, and I made her nose bleed. Mm -hmm. And I never hit her again. Mm -hmm. I mean, and they were good kids. Like, they again, they didn't need. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that, again, showed me that I have something in me Mm -hmm. That can make me go too far by mistake. Mm -hmm. So I just don't. I just didn't do mm -hmm. it. Um, and I think kids don't respond well to it. And it's it confuses them. You tell them not to hit people and then you beat on them all the time. It doesn't make sense. What would you say to anyone? I was going to say a woman, but anyone that's in a relationship where this is happening. And it may not be happening to this degree. And they're afraid to leave. They don't know how to leave. Like, what's the first step? You can leave. Um, when you're in it, it's it's like you can't see the first step. Um, because all the other things come into your mind first. How, you know, you think too much. Like, how am I going to how, how get to work? Like, for me, how am I going to get to work? Or how am I going to do this or do that? Just separate yourself. And that will give you clarity enough to think. Past the moment, um, and you can move forward. 
But there's, I don't think there's ever a time where you can't get out. There's always a window. Right. Um, even with severely abusive relationships. I just had a friend that was uh, killed recently by her ex-husband. But they weren't together. He came to the house and did it. Even if you're in something like to that extent where you really fear for mm-hmm. your physical safety, there is always a window to get out. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go get some orange juice and just leave. Right. The reason people, I think, don't do that, including myself, is because you start asking yourself questions. Like, how how am I going to move forward from here? I need to plan. No, you don't. You don't need You don't need to do any of that. Once you take the first step, the rest of the steps come. Will follow, right? Mm-hmm. right? I believe that when you take one step for yourself, God will take three for you. That's whether you're following your dream or running for your life. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This has been so much to say. We're available in Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, wherever you can listen to a podcast. Please share this with your friends, your family, your social media, and hit that subscribe button. Don't forget, don't wait, do it now. And visit www.craigtherightestuart.com for more on me.